Hey friends, welcome to season two of my weekly epiphany, where my guests and I share the epiphanies that come from our personal journeys. You'll get to hear my thoughts on a wide range of topics from pop culture to social justice issues to simply navigating life as a millennial. I'm your creator and host, author Bethany Epiphany, and it is my pleasure to welcome you back. Hello, friends. Welcome back to another episode of My Weekly Epiphany. It is your girl, your creator and host, Bethany Epiphany. And it's my pleasure to have you back with me. Um, Just for a reminder, I will be changing the name of the podcast. So it will no longer be My Weekly Epiphany. I will be changing it to I Am Epiphany. And that's starting in March. And I'll only be um, posting podcasts um, every other week. So just keeping that in mind, um, I would like to acknowledge Texas and everything that's been going on there. Um, what's going on in Texas is terrible. And I hate how the the people there are not being taken care of. Um, Ted Cruz is an asshole. Um, for any of you that are interested in donating, there are obviously many places that you can donate. If you're interested in donating money, there is the Austin Mutual Aid. There's also Feed the People Dallas. There's also Para Mi Gente. Um, for other local groups in Texas, there's the Austin Area Urban League. There's Crowdsource Rescue. And there's the Austin Disaster Relief. And of course, many of you know about national organizations such as the Red Cross, the Salvation Army. Um, If you're interested in donating supplies, there's the Houseless Organizing Coalition. Um, There's an organization called SAFE. And there's also Lucha Dallas. So there are plenty of places where you can um, donate your funds or uh, whatever supplies that you have. So please check those organizations out. Um, And again, my heart goes out to everyone in Texas um, navigating through this crisis. Um, In other news, how am I? I am navigating through friends um, as we all are, I'm okay. I hope everyone is well tuning in. Um, I do have a little PSA, which is this. Um, Let's be better drivers. (laughs) Let's do better on the road, friends. Like, I get it. I know we've been at home. I know we've been in quarantine. I know we haven't been doing as much driving. But sir, ma'am. Why are you speeding past me? Why are you on my bumper? Where are you going? Why aren't you using your your uh your signals? What's going on? I think people have forgotten how to navigate on the road. Y'all need to slow y'all asses down. Just slow down. Where are you going, sis? Where? Please be safe on the road, everyone. There's also something that I've been wanting to get off of my chest and talk about. 
and it has to do with the vaccinations. So stories have been circulating of um, how vaccinations or the vaccines are being brought to um, black communities um, and other communities of color. Why? Because we have been hit the hardest um, due to COVID. So it's affecting us um, a lot more than in other communities than in white communities. So there have been stories of white people coming to black neighborhoods to receive vaccines. And of course, this sparked um, confusion and frustration. (laughs) And I was definitely frustrated. And I was hearing from a couple of people who work in the medical field saying, well, you know, black people aren't coming to get the vaccine. So, I mean, what's the issue and blah, blah, blah. Here's the thing. It's not that these white folks can't get a vaccine, right? It's just the fact that they have to acknowledge that they are um, taking vaccines that were designated for a specific area. So if black people are not coming to get the vaccines, that's one thing, right? But if a black person cuts the line and they let black people in ahead of white people, those white people don't need to be in their feelings about it. They need to, again, understand where they are and why those vaccines were designated for that community. They need to understand that they are um, visitors coming in and they need to respect the fact that um, we need it more. So don't complain and bitch if black folks are escorted to the front of the line to receive a vaccine that was intended for them to receive. That's all I'm saying. Don't get an attitude about it. And one nurse, a black nurse, was talking about, well, if black people can line up for Jordans, you know, they can line up to take this vaccine. Number one, black folks should not have to wait in line to wait in line behind white people when those vaccines were designated for them. They are in their community. Those vaccines were designated for that community. So they should not have to wait in a very very long line behind rich white people to receive uh, the care or the vaccine that was intended for them. That's number one. Number two, you cannot compare black people standing in line for Jordans as if we're the only group that likes wearing Jordans, but you cannot compare black people standing in line for Jordans to black people choosing not to stand in line to receive a vaccine due to the historical neglect, mistreatment, experimentation, and death of black bodies for generations at the hands of a racist medical system. Those two things are not comparable. They're incomparable. And clearly this person lacks an understanding of history. Not to mention it's fucking disrespectful. Don't compare black people standing in line for Jordans to not standing in line due to uh, generations of mistreatment. Don't do that. Don't do that. 
And don't make it sound like black people don't care about their health, right? I hate how people are making it sound like black people are paranoid. No, we're not paranoid. We're traumatized. That trauma is real. Our history and experiences are real and valid. It's coming off as as if this is our issue when we did nothing wrong. Like we are simply reacting to what has been done to us. You can't go mistreating a group for generations and then suddenly change in your desire to help. <laughs> like you can't just say, hey, I know I've treated you poorly for quite some time, but I see you all are disproportionately impacted by this virus and I want to help you. What? You want to help me after all this time? Who wouldn't be suspicious of that? Right? And let's be real. Let's be real. They don't care about helping the black community. They simply realize that their survival is linked with our survival. And that if we want to get rid of this virus for good, we need herd, herd immunity, which means the majority of us have to get vaccinated to stop the spread. They don't care about our survival. They care about their survival. Where were they during the crack, crack epidemic or when the cops were taking our lives? Where were they as the black maternal mortality rate was was high, is high, and black mothers, you know, were dying during or after childbirth? Like, give me a break. Give me a break. They don't care about our survival. They care about their survival. And the medical system has not done its part to repair the relationship with the black community and other communities of color. They have not done what was necessary to earn our trust. And they never had to until now. So I just needed to get that off my chest because it was just really bothering me. We are not paranoid. We're traumatized and our trauma is real and our experiences are real. Anyways, moving on. My epiphany this week was sparked by the Pan-African Film Festival. I explained in a previous podcast what the Pan-African Film Festival is and its significance um, and how it's going to be virtual this year. So everyone check it out. And it got me thinking about Black film and Black TV and Black storytelling. And I began thinking about this even more after watching Judas and the Black Messiah which tells the story of Fred Hampton, William O'Neill, and the Black Panther Party. Um, Daniel Kaluuya played Fred Hampton, and Lakeith Stanfield played Judas, or William O'Neill. And the movie was really good. It was really good. Shout out to the Lucas Brothers who did their research and wrote the movie. Shout out to Ryan Coogler, and I believe uh, Charles King who produced the film. And Shaka King, I believe, directed it. I mean, when I finished watching the movie, I was so hype, y'all. Like, I needed to listen to Afrobeat music and, like, watch a little TV. Like, the movie lingers with you. And I had a hard time falling asleep. I just kept thinking about it. Like, it just really resonates with you. So go see the film. It's great. 
Um, shout out to Dominique Fishback, who plays Deborah Johnson. Like, I love just seeing black women on screen. And like, I just, I loved her. Um, but it got me thinking about all the other black stories, real or not, that we have yet to see on screen. And how powerful it is not just for black folks but from for people from other cultural backgrounds to be exposed to black stories to be exposed to black humanity so for today's episode I thought it would be cool to have a fun dialogue about black film and black tv um, in honor of the pan-african film festival in honor of black history month uh, with my special guest, who also enjoys talking about Black film and Black TV. So please stay tuned. We'll be right back after the break. I hear somebody coming in. You hear me, girl? <laughs> Stop, you're gonna make me laugh. <laughs> hey, That's what I do. that is what you do. You do make me laugh, girl. Welcome to the anchor space, friend. All right, friends, we are back from the break, and it is time for me to introduce my special guest, Daphne Jones. With the love and support of her family, Daphne grew up with a strong appreciation for entertaining and began a career in entertainment very early in life, booking principal roles in commercials, theater, TV, and film. She has been a member of SAG-AFTRA for over 30 years and loves being a company member of Town Street Theater Company. Also passionate about educating Black youth, Daphne has worked as a mentor and youth leader for over 20 years and has been working specifically in higher education for 13 years. Please welcome Daphne Jones. Hi, Daph. Hey, Daph. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to try not to like laugh and g- giggle as much as I do like when we're on the phone. But I'll, why not? I'll, you should. I'm going to try. I'm going to try. We'll see how, how far I can go without giggling. But I always talk about how I know my guests. And Daphne is my cousin. We are blood. (laughs) And I enjoy getting Daphne's thoughts on a variety of things. But especially considering her her background in entertainment, I enjoy getting her thoughts on film and TV, especially Black film and TV. And I'm so happy that she's joining me. How you doing? I'm so happy that you asked. So... I had you on my list for a different episode. I was like, but that's like further down the line. I was like, okay, I'll reach out out to her then. But with um, Judas and the Black Messiah, I was like, I want to talk about film and I want to talk about it with someone. And then when you (laughs) talk to me about Malcolm and Marie, which we will get into, I was like, oh, no. Now we need to talk right now. Like we doing this. So I'm just glad that you were available and willing. Yes. 
But I want to begin uh, with my first question, which is actually like, it's a hard question. Um, I was pondering it myself. Um, But my question is, how would you define or describe Black film or Black TV? Um, when I think about Black film and Black TV, I think what I'm able to articulate now is I see it as a celebration mm-hmm. of Black creativity, uh, of Black life and Black stories. Mm-hmm. I think that's the best way I can describe it. I, I, I think of it as a celebration of Black folks. That's a good definition. I wish I had that. <laughs> I wish I had that definition. I was thinking about how I used to define it or, you know, when I was younger, I would just see, okay, these are black people in the movie. So it's a film. But now for me, <laughs> <laughs> I know, girl, I didn't know better. But for me, it's, you know, black film is telling the story of black people through a black gaze. And for me, that's going to come through really through a trifecta. So having Mm -hmm. black writers, black director and black actors. But if you don't have a black Mm -hmm. director, you definitely have to have black writers. So I agree. You know, I agree there. There's nobody that can tell a black story through the, the lens of black people, like a black person. So that's the the writer will need to be black exactly because i've you know we've seen some black tv film where the actors are black but they're saying things i'm like we don't say that who wrote this you know what I mean? exactly and there's i mean that's the history of it there's so many out there even now from you know from the beginning to now where there's little if any representation of black writers in the room that are writing uh, the words that are coming out of the mouths of these black actors on these shows that should be black. But if you don't have that experience, it loses a little something. Um, kind of like with the different, um, with foreign languages, sometimes, you know, some things you can't translate and people will say, oh, it kind of gets lost in the translation, but like loosely it means this. I feel like that happens a lot of times with with writing if the writer isn't black. Right. I think there's a certain level of, you know, just authenticity that a, a writer who is not black isn't going to have just simply because they're not from this world, our experience. And mm-hmm. um, so many, you know, black films are um, well, I don't know if it, it would be a black film under my definition, but I've just seen <laughs> different work. Uh, where the writers were not black and it just definitely shows um, yeah. and I've I've always wanted to ask this question to you but I've always like I always forget I want you <laughs> to name your favorite black film or films or TV shows and say why there's so many I know <laughs> I know it's to narrow them down there's so many for different reasons so mm-hmm. I'll I'll try to keep them 
brief so that you know we not going on and on because I really totally could so <laughs> we could um right off top I'm going to say when somebody asked me to name like one favorite film to name just one I will say it is the five heartbeats oh that's a good one Dav. The, the five heartbeats is my favorite one of my favorites but I named that one as my favorite because you know how I feel about music I love music and I love musicals and so the five heartbeats for me tells a story of family of friendship you have music it's set kind of like they're doing a biopic of a group it's a fictional group of course but it's set like they're telling a, a biopic so you get a look into the lives of what happened back then up until their current time at that time and the people in their lives and how they shaped each other little it's fun it's singing it's dancing and there's some things within it that you know we as black folks catch right <laughs> you know, the little the little small details the small mistakes but to me in that movie it's what made that movie so seeing a piece of the boom mic or seeing a piece of some of the lip syncing be off <laughs> is looking at some of the editing the cuts with sometimes some of the reactions being off or different or something all of those things entertain me while I'm looking at it so that's that is why so I say for that one that's my favorite movie but other black films that are my favorite I would say and this is again in the, the <laughs> they all have either musical qualities or good music in it I'll say school days for the singing and, and dance numbers um also house party because hello who doesn't mm -hmm. want to go to a good house party and jam and you think of luther vandross oh yeah <laughs> well all right bad boy having a party so yeah. <laughs> um boomerang boomerang had a bomb soundtrack and it's just a fun movie like you see, it's a love story from a male perspective, from the male dog who ends up getting turned out by somebody else, and then he ends up really finding love. So those are just a couple of my favorite. And also, I have to say, I cannot leave out Love Jones. Oh, girl, Girl. Uh, the soundtrack, everything. The movie, everything, love me some Nia Long. I had a friend in college when that movie came out. She cut her hair. Just stop. Because she was like, everybody is fawning all over Nia. I'm going to cut my hair like her. <laughs> I, I don't know what it did for her, but she did it. <laughs> That's hilarious, dude. Wow. So and and I'm I'm a musical and a love story. So those are are my jams. Um, quickly quickly TV. I'll just I won't even go into long detail, but Martin, the Cosby show, a different world. 
how come I met? Oh my gosh, that was not on my immediate list. What was on yours? Girl, I'm going to get to mine, but let's talk about yours. Just say why (laughs) for all of them. Say why. Okay, so all three I can look at right now today, all day, every day, and enjoy them still. It will bring back some sort of memory or something that I feel will, you know, still hold true. And Martin, you saw stories of, you know, you friends, you in your young adult life, living life, discovering who you are as a person and your relationships with friends and funny things that happen when you're with your friends. Uh, The Cosby show, you have your family dynamic. Um, it showed a different side of family. I know people get so critical because they were quote unquote rich or whatever, but I feel like black people are, we, as we always say, we're not a monolith. So there's many walks of life that we experience. And that was one of them. That was one that we so happen to see on TV with both parents in the home, a doctor, a lawyer, and good kids and they raised them right for the most part or did the best they could and we see all of the things that happen to them and dynamics they deal with in in a familial structure and a different world college life young adulthood you're discovering who you are as a person you're trying to figure out what life is who you're gonna have in your circle who your people are who your support is coming from um you saw all different walks of life in a different world from people who were raised different and that's what happens you know for real like when you attend college and it's just like what's happening in the world around you different people different walks of life and learning to come together and do whatever it is that y'all doing and of course Whitley and Dwayne hello again love story all about it Love me some Whitley, love me some Dwayne. And they often would include musical numbers with dance numbers as well. So anytime Debbie Allen is doing something with some dance, I'm all about it. Listen, that was good. That was good. You you came with it like I knew you would. Uh, <laughs> now I have to go ahead and read mine. Um... <laughs> Bethany, there's so many, there's years between us. So we have a whole different, you know, dynamic. I mean, I guess, but still, I was like, dang, those are some good ones. But you did hit on like Spike Lee. I was going to say like, obviously there's so many, you know, black films on TV that, that I love. When I was thinking about it, I thought about Spike Lee. Uh, just because... I feel like his movies have those layers. So mm-hmm. whether we're talking about, you know, do the right thing, talking about Crooklyn, school days, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're not just going to, you know, highlight uh, black colleges or black universities. We're going to talk about, let's talk about colorism. Let's also yep. talk about black f- fraternities and sororities. Like mm-hmm. there are multiple uh, conversation pieces or topics in his films. And he has a, you know, it's very specific to Spike Lee. Um, I loved, I loved Queen and Slim. I enjoyed the Black Panther. I like Mm -hmm. Moonlight um, because, you know, 
there aren't a lot of films talking about, um, you know, uh, black masculinity or mm-hmm. uh, homosexuality. And um, I thought it was a good story to tell. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was well told. Um, okay. I like brown sugar, you know. I yes. It's just, it's just good. It's just a good movie. Um, as far as like TV shows, the first TV show that came to mind um, was Living Single. And let me just pause right here. Let me pause right here. The argument usually, you know, it tends to be that living single, you know, came before friends or, you know, friends jock living single, which Mm -hmm. I I don't doubt. But what really happened is sex in the city is really living single. They're the ones who jock the idea, in my opinion, because look at the characters. Okay. Carrie is a writer. Khadija mm-hmm. is a writer. Okay. Then you got uh, the lawyer. Max is a lawyer. Then you got that white chick who's a lawyer in Sex in the City. Then you uh-huh. got the lighthearted, frivolous one. That was, uh, what was her character? What was her name? Sinclair. That? Sinclair. Okay. Then mm-hmm. you have the socialite, which is Regine. I'm like, this is Sex in the City. But I don't that see anybody. That is a great observation. I'm just like, they just stole that. I was like, so people always make the friends comparison. I'm like, nah, bruh, this is Sex in the City for sure. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, give Living Single her things for Sex in the City and Friends. That's all. Just give, give them her things. All of the things. All okay. of the things. And then there's Insecure love it i'm from la they representing you know Mm -hmm, where i'm from mm -hmm. and where i am in my life um i love moesha i i made sure i never missed an episode of moesha really yes i loved it because you know i saw myself in moesha she's bright she's um opinionated someone said that moesha ran so that bethany could fly and i'm like you know what Okay. You're right. I will yes. accept that. And isn't that the thing that is about, though, being able to see yourself and relate? Exactly. Precisely. Mm-hmm. You know, representation matters. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And I can't forget about, um, well, there's, I, I enjoy, I enjoy Blackish mm-hmm. and not the one on Netflix. Okay. On ABC. Oh, oof. yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Got some and, thoughts there, but. <laughs> yes, there are many. Um, And Queen Sugar. Queen Sugar is my jam. Yes. I love Because Queen your Sugar. twin is on there? You know what? Maybe <laughs> so. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe I'm just seeing myself in this you character. You feel kindred spirit with her? Maybe. Per, maybe, perhaps. But I, I enjoy Queen Sugar. Um, okay. I still haven't seen The Shy, but I want to. Okay. Um, but yeah, those are my, my favorite. Now, let's get into your least favorite Black films or TV shows. <laughs> Chile. Chile, honey, Chile. <laughs> um, 
There are several, but the thing is, and this is to be completely honest, I can't even really tell you what they are because I just don't bother looking at them. Mm. So if, if I don't like it, I don't watch it. Now I'll I'll say um my friend Sean, um um actor Sean, not the other Sean's that we know. <laughs> but, uh he and I will sometimes uh do a hate watch of something that we know we aren't gonna look at and we'll be like, okay, we're gonna look at it and just we're going to try and give it a chance or whatever. So I did, you know, a hate watch of a couple of things before, but sometimes I just, I don't know what it is. Sometimes I can't even make it past the first few minutes of something to even bother. I feel like it's just wasting my time and I can't, I can't do that. I rather, if I'm going to watch something and enjoy it, I want to see something I'm going to enjoy that I know I'm going to like. So if it's something that I'm like, mm, if it's questionable, <laughs> bye bye. I'm not watching it. Dang, a hate watch sounds so harsh, doesn't it? <laughs> Y'all cold with it. Y'all are cold. He, he cold. I just agreed. <laughs> <laughs> So you, okay, so if you don't like it, so you give it like a few minutes and then you're like, bye-bye. Yeah, and so, okay, I don't know, this isn't considered a Black show, but How to Get Away with Murder, I, I love me some Viola. Love, love, love. And I love me something coming up out of Shonda Rhimes' camp, right? So... I knew from the previews, I can normally tell right away if I'm going to love something. Sometimes I can tell right away, too, if I'm going to hate it. But then there's some that I'm like, "Eh, I don't know. And for How to Get Away with Murder, it was a, "Eh, I don't know. So I gave it a look when it first came on. um, I was like, I don't like this. And again, love Viola. Okay. ma'am do give her all her things i loves me some biola but i was looking at it and i was just like "Mm -mm." so my rule has been for years i don't know when i came up with this but i have a three strikes and you out so (laughs) if if i (laughs) if i watch it if i watch a whole episode I tend to give it three episodes. And if by the third one, I don't like it, then they I'm done with it. And that's what I did for that. So I gave it three episodes and I was just like, nope, I'm not connecting with anything or anybody on here. It's just not for me. I didn't hate it. It's just, I just didn't like it. So I chose not to watch. <gasps> My mouth is a gape. I mean. Why? Was that your show? That was my show, girl. I loved how to get away with murder. I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Yeah, it just but- <laughs> it did not connect. I just it didn't connect with me anywhere. And I was just like, all right, on on to something else. Same player. And okay. again, I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I just was like, man, this one's not for me. Got you. It didn't resonate. It didn't click. Mm-hmm. Totally nope. respected. When, okay, when, you know what? I can tell you one that I that I hated and I couldn't what you just said, uh 
the blackish on Netflix, but that's not the name of it. Black as fuck. Yeah, uh, Chile. <laughs> that was so. I don't. Girl, uh, I try to support our stuff, you know, and I knew that I wasn't going to like it. I didn't think that I would hate it, but I knew I wasn't going to like it. And how did like, you know you wasn't going to like it? Hold on. How did you know you wasn't going to like it? Because from the previews, I'm like, okay, why are we doing blackish again with different people? But you playing yourself, sir, Mr. Kenya Barris, and, you know, shout out to you doing great things. But I'm like, why? Why? It's it's the same thing. I'm why? <laughs> it, it, that just it annoyed me. So I don't want to say I hate it, but it was very annoying. And again, that was one I didn't get past about ten minutes. And I'm being generous, saying ten. Girl, and I said goodbye. I I will not be watching this. I was right there with you, but I like, I went in, I was like, well, okay. I don't know why he's making blackish number two. He's saying that, you know, there are certain restrictions on like the ABC network and at Netflix Mm -hmm. it's free to do whatever. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, I'm going to give this a try. And I really tried and I got through like five episodes, maybe, Mm. maybe. Yes, girl. I was like, come on. I know <laughs> it's gonna You was really pressing. I was really trying. And I'm like, am I not black as fuck? Like, do I am I not? <laughs> is there something that I'm missing here? And I was like, I cannot watch this anymore. This is terrible. And then terrible. I um, it was terrible. I went online and I was like, reviews. And I was not alone. And I was no. like, okay. Got it. Got it. But yeah, yeah, that was definitely on my least favorite yeah. black TV show. And also, ugh, I respect Tyler. I do. Mm-hmm. I respect mm-hmm. him. Everything that he's done, I think he's done, you know, he's come so far. But his movies and his TV shows, I dislike passionately. Yeah. Yeah. The writing, Chile. The directing, Chile. I'm just like, what's happening, Tyler? Like, I saw, I think the one Tyler Perry movie I liked was Medea's family reunion and it had Cicely Tyson in it and mm-hmm. uh, Maya Angelou. Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. Yeah, towards the end. I like that one. And you know what? I didn't mind the was it Diary of a Mad Black Woman? I didn't mind it. Okay. I didn't mind it. There was there were a lot of parts, including uh, what's his name? Moore. What's his name? Uh, Shamar Moore. Shamar Moore's cornrows looking like how they looked there were there were a lot there were things but I wasn't like I hate this right but just moving forward I was just like no no acrimony Tyler (laughs) Tyler Tyler how did she get on the boat Tyler (laughs) 
how did she get on the boat? How how did she find her ex's boat in the middle of the ocean in the dark, Tyler? How did she how did the other woman go and find people to rescue them in the dark on a boat? Like there are just so many holes. And I'm just like, wait, what is <laughs> the one I that was, was on Netflix? Um was it a fall from grace? Is that the one? Did you watch that one? No, I didn't. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, I did you. not. Tyler Perry, big ups to you for what you do, brother. But that movie there, it ended up to me being more comical. And it was not supposed to be comical. But I... Mm. But I mean, I do tend to find the the funny and things that are probably you know inappropriate for finding comedy. But <laughs> but that's me. Uh, I'll find the comedy somewhere. But the wigs and the story just was like what? I, and I must say, it was it was different. It it was different ish. <laughs> Right. You just feel tired at the end or just, you know, you just exhausted. You're like, sir. And but but when he came out and basically admitted that he did all the writing, it was like, well, this it shows. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like and there's there's nothing wrong with having a writer's room, with having other people, you know, share their knowledge and experience with you and you all are coming up with things together people can always improve I think we have that so bad as black people we want to just support stuff just because it's black I'm sorry no, I want to support what is good so I don't mm. want to just support you just because you black your black thing may not be for me Right. And, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that's not to say I don't support you as a black person. It's just I your thing is not for me just because it's black. It doesn't mean it's for everybody. And that's, you know, this that's not law. This is just the thoughts of Daphne. You know, <laughs> I will, you know, yay, hooray. You did that thing. You got it done. Good for you. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's good and it's for everyone. Precisely. I agree. And I will leave it there. Now, when it comes to your love of love stories, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Malcolm and Marie, I texted Daphne and I said, (laughs) did you watch Malcolm and Marie? And you said something like you watched like a few minutes, you turned it off, you were it was not for you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I liked it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I'm like, why didn't you like Malcolm and Marie? I'm so curious. So again, to say what I said earlier, I can usually tell by the previews if I'm going to love something or hate it or even like you know I'm like eh, it's on the in-between I'll give it a try but most of the time if I can tell that I'm gonna hate it I don't even really bother 
watching it. I don't care what anybody has to say. If I feel like, yeah, I don't want to watch it, I'm not going to watch it. But in the previews for Malcolm and Marie, and again, this is no knock on James David. No, John David. Sorry, John David Washington. Uh, Get my man's name I'm, right, girl. I'm sorry, his name right. I am so sorry. Yo, boo, John David Washington. I, I like him. I think he's a good actor. And the same thing for Zendaya. I like her just fine. But when I was looking at the previews for Malcolm and Marie that, you know, Netflix was showing on their different social media spaces, I was going, what are they... <laughs> What are they saying? What is this dialogue? And I'm going, black people don't talk this way. We don't we don't speak this way. It was just something in the dialogue for me. I was like, oh no, a white man wrote this. I just I just knew in my heart, <laughs> in my spirit. I said, no, no, this is nobody black wrote this. But because on the on the strength of uh, Mr. John David and Zendaya, and I knew they had a hand in, you know, in producing it as well, I was like, I'm going to give it a look. I didn't look it up or anything like that to see who did write it at the time. I was like, I'm going to just go ahead and, and, and give it a, a look. Um, what I did enjoy was something different was the the look of it, the artsiness to it, having it, you know, shot in black and white. I thought that was a nice, different idea. We don't see that um, any different looks of film these days. Um, so I, I did appreciate that. I'm, you know, finding something good to say about it. <laughs> so my good things are I like John David Washington. I like Zendaya. I like the black and white look of the film but it was just not good for me in my opinion my thoughts my feelings I didn't enjoy what I watched I even tried to fast forward it a bit to see like okay maybe let's you know get past a little you know some of these things and it just it didn't work I said okay I've had enough it's time to turn this off <laughs> and I was actually um, at Trinika's. We were looking at it and we just looked at each other like, what is this? And we're, I was like, mm -mm. she was like, you want to turn it? I said, I'm done looking at it. <laughs> and she, she was oh. like, yeah, me too. And, and that was it. That was it. And I, I have not felt the strong urge to go back and try and give it another chance. I, I some because every now and again that might happen. I'll be like, you know what, mate, let me give it a look again. And sometimes I'll feel the same way. Sometimes I won't. But this, I haven't had the urgency to to give it another look. I didn't need to. I I knew I wasn't going to look at it. And sure enough, I looked it up, and the writer was not black, as I said. Mm. And I'm going. This is a white man writing. I guess it was supposed to be a love story because I don't even know because <laughs> I didn't watch it. But for a few minutes um, for black people and I'm like, what is what is happening? This no, this is a no for me. So tell me Man. what you liked about it. So it was supposed to it was a love story. What did you like? How did you love it? 
I mean, see, okay. I would like to point out that this is what happens. Like, Daphne will make her good points. And then as she's making her points, I'm thinking back and I'm reflecting. And I'm like, that's <laughs> that's <laughs> And then I feel silly, okay? I feel silly. You don't okay. feel silly? Listen, you like what you like. Here's the thing, but you're pointing out things that at the time I was thinking, okay, they're trying to do something different. And I can appreciate difference, but now that you're, when you were talking about the dialogue, okay. So I liked Malcolm and Marie because of the, you know, I like the different look mm-hmm. of the film. I like the black mm-hmm. and white. I like that artsy texture thing that we're going mm-hmm. for. Um, and I, I felt like it was, you know, it it was aiming at getting at these layers and you think that Marie is angry at this one thing, but it kind of goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And they're both, uh, the only two people that can kind of call each other out on their BS because they know each other so well. So that's what I liked about it. I had, now that you were talking about the dialogue, I'm like, yo, she right about that. (laughs) I was like, I was like, black people don't talk like that. (laughs) They don't talk like that. Right. They don't. Um, I had an issue with the name Marie, not that black women can't be named Mm -hmm. Marie, but I was like, I'm having a hard time connecting with that name. (laughs) Um, And, you know, people were talking about how for Zendaya, just she looks so much younger than John David. And so I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Maybe she's able to, you know, convince me with her acting capabilities. And I enjoy Zendaya as an actress. Um, But there were moments when I was looking at, I was like, ooh, you know. Yes. She do look a bit young. And she can't help it. You know, she can't. Zendaya is a full grown 25 year old, something like that. She's 20 something years old, but she looks 12. And it just looks like she was playing an adult. Like I'm a, I'm a 12 year old playing an adult playing dress up. And it, and that, that lost something for me as well. Mm. Even though I know she's an adult, but I mean, that, you know, the other thing is that. I mean, there's all kinds of age differences in Hollywood and when they're on the screen or whatever, you're not your real age. You're the age of whoever it is you're portraying. But I mean, again, she just looks so young. She cannot help, you know, her youthful glow, (laughs) you know, but but that that was something also like I could not take her playing an adult woman because she just looks so young still yes that's very true wow good points Daphne per usual all so right wait, tell me waving the was, white flag was it a love story <sighs> I mean I know they were like having this contention I mean I would think it's a love story, right? Because 
they're showing the the hardships or the challenges that can come with being in a romantic relationship, right? So it's not about these two people falling in mm-hmm. love. It is about these two people working out um, issues that have been, you know, deep-seated for years while they've been dating and it's now all coming up to the surface so i think yeah they're telling the love story from a different angle and so i was like okay i can appreciate Mm -hmm. this but now that you say what you say i get it like it's very clear it's very (laughs) (laughs) it's clear and i feel silly do not feel silly you enjoyed your the movie for what it was as you watched it, I did. I did. I gave it a. I gave it a go. But you know, as I said before, I do. I I like my John David. I like my Zendaya. Um, but you know, case I was about to say case Sarah, Sarah, but I don't think that's how you say it. Yeah, yeah. Case Sarah, Sarah. It is what whatever it is. will be will be. Whatever will be will be. Well. Man, I was like, oh, yeah, I want, I want to hear this. I want to hear what Daphne got to say about this. <laughs> and I put all my, wave my white flag. <laughs> so what do you think of Black biopics? Um, I think if they are done well, I enjoy them. Um, I think sometimes what ends up happening to me is that people get in a rush for whatever reason and they think about the money that can be made and they sometimes and this again these are all my thoughts uh, they they move with such haste that it gets a little careless like the people that they select to be a part of these films and they don't stick to telling a good story and taking care of the story and taking care of the person who it's about and who would be best to, you know, put it out from those that are behind the camera as well as in front of it. I think a lot of times people get so um, so hooked on who's going to play the person and if they look just like them they have to look exactly like this person and while that helps I would much rather you get somebody who's going to give me the essence of that person somebody who understands that person and who they were and can give me the energy of that person they can figure out you know, via wardrobe and makeup and hair, how to, you know, do the best they can to, you know, give them a similar look. But I would much prefer, much rather prefer someone who is going to give me the essence of that person or persons that the biopic is about. I agree with that all the way. All the way. However, I feel like I need a balance of both. Like I need you to have a look Mm -hmm. and I need you to bring that essence. Cause as you were talking, I was thinking about the biopic um, for Nina Simone that was done by what's her face. Um, Zoe Saldana. Honey. Honey. (laughs) 
And listen, she she didn't have the look nor the essence. And that's what I'm talking about. People are like, oh, I, I'm going to hurry up and be the first one to put this out. And they, they just get careless. And they just start throwing stuff together. And I'm like, why did you even do this? There's all kinds of backlash. You didn't do a good job. It, it just wasn't okay. Just no, 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 no. <laughs> Girl, that was that was just. She awful. looked like a hot man. That was just. Awful. It was terrible. Why? Why? Why in the world? And if Nina Simone was alive, she would be furious. I believe she I'm would lying. as well. It was terrible. I'm like, y'all didn't try at <laughs> all. Y'all didn't exactly try. carelessness. Mm-hmm. So I I definitely agree with you about that taking the care and the time to make the movie right. And, um, and I wanted to ask you about some justice. What are we, right. what are we learning about this person? What do, what's the goal? What story are you telling? Because people live, you know, rich, rich, deep, full lives. And sometimes you can't capture all of them. Not even sometimes there's no way you're going to be able to capture all that a person has lived. in, let's say, Let's even stretch it and say two and a half, three hours. It's just not going to happen. So you need to pick store a piece of the story or parts of the story and focus on that and how you're going to bring that to life. I agree 100%. Um, and you're right. These are people's lives, right? So it's not anything to just do haphazardly. Um lazily like come on put put some time and thought into telling this person's life and I brought this up because of Judas and the Black Messiah Mm -hmm. so after it came out I heard a comment from someone who was black and um she was like you know I'm she was tired of the of the black biopics and I was just and personally I was like I'm not tired of black biopics if they are done well, if they are taken with with time and care and research, I just feel like biopics are so important because white folks are not going to tell Absolutely our stories. Not. And if they do, they will get it wrong. And there's been an intentional erasure of black mm-hmm. history. And there has been this this uh, brainwashing that black history is not American Correct. history. And, mm-hmm. you know, which is not uh-huh. true in this erasure is due to white guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. And, and them telling their piece of the story through their lens. Right, exactly. And Black people don't want to relive what has happened. They're trying to distance themselves from history. But it's like, these stories must be told or else we're going to forget them. And, you know, we will be a people without a history mm-hmm. and history is so important because it informs us about the present, Mm -hmm. you know, not just in terms of the country we live in, but helps to inform us about who we are. So like sharing our personal family histories is important when it comes to our self-identity, but also these collective stories, our collective experiences. And it's like, 
Yes, someone can go and research information, but a 14-year-old is less likely to go research or read a book about the life of Fred Hampton. Right. Um, so and let's be honest. Biopics are it, right. And, and let's right. be honest. The who, uh, most of 14-year-olds don't know who Fred Hampton is to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm like, if they have, they don't even know to research this person. Right. So biopics are a way of, of, you know, providing that source of entertainment, I guess, but also spreading knowledge and sparking interest in people um, to learn more. Mm -hmm. And my thing is, you know, there are white biopics, but nobody complains about them existing, (laughs) (laughs) you know, (laughs) and that's what gets on my nerves. I'm like, I have yet to hear someone from the Jewish community say, you know what? I'm tired of these documentaries about the Holocaust. You exactly. don't hear that because they understand the importance of the stories being told. Exactly. And it's just, you know, we complain because we don't want to be reminded, I guess, of the oppression that we're still experiencing, but we have to tell these stories so that we can self-identify mm-hmm. with our past. Right. And, and I, I yeah. think I understand probably, and having not heard or seen the, the, um, person that you said was who was saying they were tired of um, black biopics. I'm wondering, is it that they are not necessarily tired of black biopics, but black biopics that are depicting slavery, the slavery era and the civil rights era, like you were saying, tired of seeing the oppression in which we are currently still experiencing. But a lot of those films that we have seen that you know show these things are again not coming from our lens and there's more to the story than just that so I think you know that person probably is just like I'm saying there's so many that are like I'm not watching another slave film I'm not watching another civil rights era film but again whose lens are we seeing this from if yeah. we're seeing it through yeah. the lens of somebody that looks like us, who wrote it, and who's telling more of the story than just, you know, here I am, you know, as a slave person, and that's it, and nothing else. No, like, what was, you know, happening before, during, after? What was the outcome? What is something that came about because of whatever incident or whatever? It can't be, um, like you said, we don't we don't want to continue to be a part of erasing our history. We have to see ourselves and know ourselves. I don't remember who the quote is that is that says something like, "If if you don't know your past, you're doomed to repeat it" or something like that. And we don't want to be in that predicament either. Now, I don't, I'm not saying in no way, shape, or form do I feel like, yeah, we going to go back to, you know, being in the sleigh, in the fields, picking cotton or, or whatever. But we have to be aware and, and know there's so many different stories that come from the, those eras that has shaped us as a people. Well said, Cuzzo. Shoot. On that note, (laughs) we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we will share our 
epiphanies. So hold on tight. All right. We are back from the break and it is time to share our epiphany. So, Daph, can you share any epiphanies or um, a strong epiphany that you have gained watching Black films? Um, I think what I will say, my epiphanies are from watching Black film is simply that Black people are brilliant. Um, No matter how you slice it, in what story, and what avenue it's being told through, even if it's not through our lens, even if it's somebody through someone else's lens, no matter how you slice it, excellence abounds because that's just who we are as a people. And the last one that I will say is that Black people are full of life, light, and love. We, we just got it going on. That's, that, those are my epiphanies from Black film and TV. That's a, that's a damn good epiphany. I would give you a hand clap right Thank now. Thank you. Thank you. If I wasn't worried about the audio. <laughs> well, I'm taking a silent bow to your silent hand clap. <laughs> there you go, girl. <laughs> you take that silent bow, friend, because I love that epiphany. I love it. And you're tr- it's so true. We are the bomb. We are fantastic. No matter how you slice Period. it. Period. Um, my epiphany, I guess my epiphany, it really goes back to what we were saying in regards to, you know, black bio uh, pics and the lens, the different lenses. My epiphany is, you know, black films don't have to be white films. I heard someone say, you know, why can't we have a, have a La La Land or uh, Emily in Paris, or like a Black Hangover. Like, in other words, why can't we have films where characters aren't shouldering the weight of their Blackness? Mm-hmm. Um, they want to be entertained when they go to the movie theater. They want to go into another world. They want Black films to stretch beyond the parameters they feel it's been placed in. I understand mm-hmm. that. But number one, I feel like there are Black stories that are diverse and varied and expand beyond those parameters. Um, whether they get picked up or not, that's another topic A to be whole discussed. Topic. A whole nother topic, but those stories are there. Um, second thing, when I heard that comment, it was like they wanted us to have a white gaze when it comes to movies. And that's not going to be the case. Like, do we need a black hangover? Right. Is that what you want no. to see? <laughs> I, I surely I don't. don't, right? I, I don't. Like, there is nothing wrong with creating films through a black mm-hmm. gaze. We are mm-hmm. black. We have a unique lens that is creative and authentic. It's not binding. And 
I will just say that again. Black films do not have to be white films. I think you should say it one more again. Black films do not have to be white films. Mic drop. Let's appreciate. Girl! Mic drop. Had me feeling some kind of way, girl. Had me feeling some kind of way. I have all kinds of feelings about that, you know, on a historical and cultural level but that's not what this here podcast is about so I won't go into that but (laughs) (laughs) mic drop on what you said thanks girl thanks you know I just had to get that off my off my spirit it's it's true um it's true you dropped Um, a jewel on them on us I try I try. I do what I can. You know, I do what I can. I learn from oh, you. Um, you. You drop gems on me all the time. Um, so I, I thank you for joining me on my podcast, Daphne. You're so this was welcome. Fun. This was great fun. I loved it. Yay. <laughs> and um, for all of my listener friends, I hope you enjoyed Um, I hope you check out the Pan-African Film Festival. It's all virtual this year. Go check out some Black films. um, You know, hear some or uh, what does it say? Watch some Black stories. uh, Be a part of uh, Black storytelling. Um, And happy Black History Month. This is the last week of February. Um, but keep in mind that Black history is American history, so we should be acknowledged and celebrated throughout the 365. year. 365. 365. Um, so shout out to everyone. Until next time, friends. Um, stay safe. Stay cool. Daph, did you want to say any final words? Um, I think I will leave the final words to you you're doing a great job and I think I've interrupted your nice final words (laughs) (laughs) not at all thanks again for for joining me Kezo I appreciate it you're very welcome I appreciate it too (laughs) yay all right everybody until next time peace out hey friends thanks for listening Please tune in every Monday for a new episode of My Weekly Epiphany. You can learn more about me at bethanyepiphany.com or follow me on Instagram at beepiphany. That's B-E-P-I-F-A-N-I. Until next time, friends, peace and blessings.